Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's happening, y'all? What's up, y'all? Just fire this time. My name is Sonny Teray. And I'm Aki G. And welcome to another episode of Fire This Time Podcast. You know it, and we always here for it. You know, thank you for coming back and joining us on this episode and things of that such nature. You know, always remember, like, share, subscribe, and all of those other G-status things we on most modern and up-to-date platforms out here. So, uh, you know, when you get in there, comment, you know what I'm saying, and check out some old episodes that we got posted up in there and things of that such nature. But uh, we back again, you know, another episode. Try to give you the heat, try to give you the fire, you know. A uh, lot of stuff been going on since the last time we talked, you know what I'm saying. But, uh, you know, we just been taking it in and soaking it in. It's been a little chilly up here the last couple of days, but, you know, we're going to heat it up today. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into it, Aki. I mean, first off, uh, one of the biggest news items to hit this past week is the Queen of England has caught her flight, her one way, back to hell. You know, it's uh, you know, it's been a little exciting week. You know, in the anti-colonial, you know, what I'm saying struggle jumping off on the planet that's been jumping off for a little over 200, 300 years. You know, uh. The queen, symbol of the colonial head. You know what I'm saying? It ain't been a king in a minute. But it's been a queen that sat on that. And uh, the head of the dragon's been chopped off. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of people had a lot of different things to say. You know what I'm saying? I don't know, Aki. How you feel about this? Just like the Namekians, you chop off a limb or a head. Well, I don't know about head, but the limbs grow back. Yeah You know what I'm saying And British Empire I mean they are I mean Queen died They got a king So ain't nothing changed As far as You know what I'm saying How they shit is set up Yeah But I mean How do I feel I mean Rest in peace Bozo <laughs> R.I.P. Bozo I mean you, you know, know what I'm saying Like I, You ain't gonna find No sympathy this way I can't <laughs> Okay then That's what I'm talking about Well I have to say As a new African And a black man Which is one and the same uh, And pan Africanist, You know what I'm saying we know we got a direct, you know, relationship with England, with Britain, the British Empire. The, you know? gr- the greatest shippers of slaves in the industry. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We got we got a little relationship with them. Uh where where did the British Empire get their power? They get you know what I'm saying? I, I, I mean the, we I mean we read but right before the show started, Aki, British Empire at its height in nineteen twenty two. Uh, spanned one fourth, one quarter of the Earth's land surface, and ruled over a half billion people. Hey, we in the we in the greatest uh, capitalist, savage, debaucherous place on the planet right now, right? United States, but the United States was born out of the womb in the loins of British subjects. We came here originally and were made British subjects, colonial subjects, British colonial subjects. Right. And then that that colonial subject, too, just transferred over to his children. You're right, Aki. And, I mean, the split between the American colonists and the British Empire... It came, um, as Gerald Horn puts out, he he don't call it no revolution. 
he of 1776, mm-hmm. he called it a counter revolution. Yeah. And he calls it a, a counter revolution because the American colonists fought it to preserve the uh the slave trade because of the economic power. Yeah. They wanted to continue using slavery. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Uh British Empire was already trying to put out and end the slave trade that it participated in yes. for so many years. And uh the US Empire or what it, what would become the US Empire uh you know, decided that, you know, we still want about a hundred more years of mm-hmm. uh, the slavery shit. You know, of course, if some had the decision, it would probably still be going on in this, you know, as, as it was in chattel slavery. You know how but, uh, but yeah, I mean, 1776, you know, that revolutionary war that we, where we split from Britain mm-hmm. to 1865 when yeah. to the, the end of the civil war. You know, we just, we talk about 10, 11 years short of a, uh, another century yeah. of slavery that the U.S. colonists uh, fought for and won. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people had a lot of different things to say. You know, uh, Julius Malema, good Pan-African nationalist from uh, South Africa, you know, spoke a lot of different things. Um and he made a good point, you know, that um, she ain't a friend of ours. She's been the enemy of Africa. And um, we're going to let y'all hear a little bit of that, you know. And hopefully, you know what I'm saying, y'all hear the wisdom that come out of that. Because as new Africans, African-Americans, Africans here in the West, we actually have to start seeing ourselves and our relationship to our colonial masters in this way. We got to be, if we're going to act on the products of history, then we have to acknowledge it and tell the truth about it. Yes. You know, and we lie to ourselves anytime we honor our colonizer. True indeed. Especially the leader, the leadership of, the, of, our, of our colonizer. The executive body. Right, here we go.
So there we go. I mean, he breaking down colonialism's effect on South Africans down to the fact that we ain't had surnames, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. but even before that, I do want to say Julius Balima is uh, the leader or one of the leaders, one of the mm-hmm. the, uh, the part of the leadership of the EFF, yeah. the Economic Freedom Fighters, a political party uh, in South Africa. Uh, and one, you know, some of the big things they push for is land back. Yes, you know, similar to another b- political party there called the BLF, Black Land First. I mm-hmm. believe that's what the acronym stands for. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, his words were strong and they were correct. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Shout out to Julius Malema, man. I love to hear the African when he on there giving it like that. You know what I'm saying? The brother from the continent. You know what I'm saying? That was righteous right there. But, you know, that's what we encountering now out here. You know, people defending the colonizer. But, you know, as normal, we're going to move on. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to stay there. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to uh, uh, dwell on spoiled milk. I'll say, you know, saying for too long, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, so I, it, uh, I keep. Why don't we go uh, stop by the the Kimberly Crenshaw joint gotcha. real quick? Because gotcha. I mean, we're talking about honoring uh, our oppressors. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying, and that being a tendency amongst our people. Yes, and uh, we see that here with someone who just so happened to be the scholar. That coined the term intersectionality, mm-hmm. and of course we talked about intersectionality before. Uh, you know, I see it mainly operating in two ways. You know, that of uh, a scholarly device. Mm-hmm. The you know look at people's the how people's different parts of their identity intersect, and of course this started in the legal sphere, dealing with uh, black women's uh, discrimination. You know, and, and and not being considered under a legal lens, yeah. you know, that didn't have the type of framework needed to look at somebody's experiences, the experience of somebody who was both black and woman. Yeah. Uh, but it's also what what I perceive it to be is a intellectual movement. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That uh, seeks to decenter black men by any cost. Mm-hmm. Uh. You know, and you you see that even in movements against police murder of black men. Yeah. You know, uh, BLM came into the game as an intersectional organization mm-hmm. that not just wanted to displace males within the conversation, but also to displace the actual on the ground leadership of grassroots organizations in Ferguson, Missouri. 
you know, to steal the limelight for the book deals, for the speaking tours, for the influx of white money. And we see how it's been mishandled, spent on mansions, giving million, millions of dollars to each other. Uh, you know, how these non not for profit rats do. <laughs> but uh, anyways, we have Kimberly Crenshaw. Had that a was, little rant there, huh? That, that was a long, <laughs> that was a long lead in. But you know, we 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 gonna give you know we gonna bring that fire. Yeah, got you. But Kimberly Crenshaw was recently honored by Hillary and Chelsea Clinton. Hillary Clinton, the former uh. Was she about no not a vice president secretary of state you know wife mm-hmm. to the president major democratic uh, presidential nominee multiple times over uh, but also I mean I've shit I- I'm giving the traditional introduction mm-hmm. you know this is the bitch that called us super predators yeah you know and helped enact the type of laws to keep us locked up you know she ran she helped run the type of machine that saw thousands upon thousands of bombs dropped in the Middle East you mm-hmm. know for the goals of US imperialism to the fullest a war hawk and uh, a racist yes and Kimberly Crenshaw tweets it was an honor to be considered by Hillary and Chelsea Clinton as in the club of incredible women who have shaped how we think about the world watch for me in gutsy women Streaming now. Now, Aki, isn't this the epitome of the feminist movement and its utility for white supremacy and capitalism? I mean, you I know. I mean, to, to, to make black women believe that they're part of this united group with white women who are our colonizer because they share some sort of imagined uh, uh, solidarity just because of their wombs. I mean, you know, this is the good example of how, you know, uh, intellectuals can be um, bought out by the system, you know, um, persuaded by the system, and especially by inclusion into the system. It ain't no surprise that uh, Kimberly Crenshaw would take that and as a badge of honor, you know, um, especially looking at how, you know, what she has introduced um at sometimes could be used as a tool of analysis for greater but it's normally used as a tool of uh analysis to the less um and black men are normally on that other spectrum you know when it comes down to this belief that black men i mean kimberly crenshaw said this during a ted talk almost yeah. verbatim that black men and white women both have no use for intersectionality uh, in the sense that they cannot they both cannot combine a racial and gender claim to their oppression hmm. when that is the type of uh, additive uh, outlook on discrimination and, and oppression that mm-hmm. is just false and social dominance theory points out how, how this is false you know the idea that just in, like Black plus male puts you in this privileged solidarity with white men, mm-hmm. you know. But no, social dominance theorists are correct when they say, no, it's that you know patriarchy seeks to target most harshly outgroup racialized males who they see as a threat. 
not just in a military type sense, but in a cultural type sense to mm-hmm. oppress and keep down those men is mm-hmm. akin to being a good patriarch. I mean, in simple terms for me, I keep it simple. Racism is a misandric aggression against other men of different perceived races. You know what I'm saying? Um, even though Kimberly Kenshaw, you know, she comes out of education, you know what I'm saying, that knows and understands that factor. Um, she is a feminist. And, you know, because she is a feminist, that's going to corrupt a lot of shit you know, that you get a hold to that's sort of righteous. The mainstream media also brings Kimberly Crenshaw to talk about critical race theory. Exactly. You know, and uh, I, I, I'm not, you know, exactly sure on her relationship with her scholarly relationship with Derek Bell. Mm-hmm. But she's often mentioned as one of these early uh, upholders of critical race theory, you know, and... Uh, you know, but what would Derek Bell say about her solidarity with Hillary Clinton? <laughs> you know, her being honored and, and 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 welcoming the honoring by Hillary Clinton. I mean, I don't think he would say anything too great about that right there. I mean, him knowing the inherent racism within the United States and how it's baked into the legal system and the governmental system, executive, legislative, and judicial branches of this government. He knew that. He he can see he saw that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and by the way, I was told that she's a student of one of the contemporaries with him. Mm. You know, she met him through one of the contemporaries. I think it was Delgado. But mm-hmm. um, I so, don't know how true that is. Let me uh, go to some tweets real quick. So this is from my homie Slank, uh, Dab Squad underscore Slank on Twitter. And he says, uh, in response to Crenshaw's tweet, you know, uh, welcoming the honor by the Clintons, he says, intersectional imperialism. (laughs) (laughs) And then he says, Crenshaw paints black men as nothing but evil aggressors, but as nothing but praise for a white woman whose whole career involved dropping bombs on African nations. Of course, Clinton likes how she thinks they probably bond over calling black boys super predators. <laughs> and I mean Tommy Curry's work uh, Points this out Very clearly uh, In a work that Is called Reconstituting the Object mm-hmm. uh, An article that Tommy Curry has He points out How So many Of uh, These intersectional uh, uh, Scholars Or black feminist scholars Not all But he, he points out plenty in- Including The names of people Like Kimberly Crenshaw yeah. Who is seen as a Found a, as a founder, an elder, even w- within the scholarship mm-hmm. on intersectionality and, and black feminism. Uh, he calls them out for relying in the footnotes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Relying on these white feminists who had these criminological, like criminal patholi- pathologizations of black men. Yes. You know, uh, the, uh, so. You know, definitely check out that article, and maybe it'd be good for us to actually bring that article in for a segment where we delve deeper into this issue. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, I guess for you, Aki, what does this say about intersectionality? The fact that the person that coined the term is happy to be uh, in bed with, with, so to speak, uh, you know, such colon, such imperialist and racist such as Hillary Clinton. What does that say about intersectionality? I mean, for me, intersectionality is an offshoot of feminism, and feminism is an offshoot of white supremacy. 
And so her being in the bed with the system does not necessarily throw me off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Once I seen what she was talking about, it already put me in the mind frame that, yeah, she's going to go that route. And that's where the money is. That's where the book deal's at. Now you got deals with Clinton. So, you know, in this capitalist system, when every, anything can be um, sold, anything can be sold, and anything can be bought at the expense of others and um, their freedom, nah, it doesn't surprise me now with her. Um, her, her, you know, intersexuality, as I said, it can be used as a tool of analysis. It can be applied to men too. It, it was used as a tool of analysis long before, decades before she even uh, conceived of the term. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Just when wasn't we, termed. That she coined the term, I guess you want to say. Right. I mean, but like, it could be used for black men too. But it's often used as a weapon against black men. You know, um, when you yeah, when they engage in this additive, you know, black plus male must equal privilege. Yeah. Uh, even though that doesn't, you know, one thing uh, that black male studies points out about this brand of intersectionality or black feminist scholarship is that it it lacks an empirical base. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it lacks, you know, the, the, and it, it's not it shouldn't be surprising that the standards of scientific type of legitimacy mm-hmm. within the scholar within this type of scholarship for this type of scholarship is uh, ignored. When black women write works like, uh, I mean, the myth of the black superwoman, I forget the exact title, by uh, Michelle Wallace, yeah. which was heralded by white feminist media as, you know, a, a seminal work on gender in the black community. Black macho. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's the work I meant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and others. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, you know. Sometimes it can be used um, to, well, I I can't say sometimes, it is used in um, academia. It's used as tools that can keep even black males out of academia, um, that isolates black males in academia, but even outside of academia. Me and you have dealt with interactions within the movement with people who come with this rooted ideology of intersectionality. Um, even some of them proclaiming to be nationalist, pro-black, or whatever. And isn't it interesting that this system has produced a generation of scholars and scholar activists, activists, that swear by intersectionality when there's nothing inherent within intersectionality about its stance on things like capitalism Yeah, as an economic system? Mm-hmm. But people are using intersectionality as if it's an ideology or some type of, uh, you know, uh, program. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, be you know, like yeah. My 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 theory is intersectionality. So your theory is that you know, uh, you have to be specific about you know people's identities when thinking about how they're affected by oppression. Yeah, I mean, no, a real a real framework, you know, a real ideology answers questions about those relationships, and the answers that inter that intersectionalists used, yeah, are ones that are not on the surface. Yeah. They just seem so normal, you know what I'm saying, and so progressive 
to the user of intersectionality that that, that, that they go unquestioned. You know, uh, and of course the formula goes as we say. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That black plus male equals privileged. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, I think it's a lot of individuality in it. Yeah. Because you when you have to apply many identities, you can apply many identities to groups. Um, like you can apply, you know, black woman, female. You know what I'm saying? You can apply these different aspects, but like, um. I think sometimes that sidetracks that group think and that group movement that we need to have or we may need to use sometimes we could use that too better in a group perception. You know what I'm saying? We looking at the group. But, you know, a lot of times it relates back to individualism, which is also, you know, just a root of capitalism itself. It's not, you know, um, it's a tool. It can be used as a tool for white supremacy. And I think individualism is being encouraged in the black community. And I think for black women, it's being encouraged in, in, in gendered ways. Yeah. That that first seeks to disunite them from black men mm-hmm. because they're lazy, they're unloyal, they're violent. All the type of stereotypes that we're constantly being fed with. You know what I'm saying? And the, the fact that we're unloyal is something that we see very clearly. We think about somebody like Cynthia G. <laughs> and we looked at some Cynthia, some of Cynthia G's recent work calling for the genocide of black men but being but still being invited on a program a black platform like Fox Soul yeah you know what i'm saying so uh you know Cynthia G was on a platform with a a trans woman uh the host the black the, the host who is a black uh woman uh Tammy and also uh the fifth person being Dr or fourth person being Dr Umar Johnson yes and uh, they were going on uh, at it over whether you know black men were uh, oppressed or black men were was there a war against black men? Yeah. And of course, Cynthia G, you know the you know the famous misandrist herself, claims that ever since black men that the only war on black men is the one being committed by black men. You know what I'm saying? And also that black men are working in tandem with white supremacy and they've been working in tandem with our colonizers since we came in contact with them and she claims all of this you know despite and she really marginalizes all the history of you know black male resistance you know uh and you know, just away completely when, when she when she speaks like this i mean the girls sound nuts man you know cynthia g been out here for a minute spitting this bullshit um I got to give a shout out to Umar Johnson. He uh, defended logic perfectly well. Um, he handled himself. I seen him getting a little frustrated, you know what I'm saying? Because he couldn't believe the stupider shit that he was hearing at the time. But he understood and empathized, not with them, but with the fact of that these were hurt people. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, people dealing with something serious, understanding the trauma that black people go through here in the United States. But this shit was totally ridiculous, Aki. And Umar Johnson was right to call her out at the end, even though the host, Tammy, didn't take it up at all. The didn't. fact that Cynthia G said that black male fetuses should be aborted. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, horrifying, but I guess expected once you really look at how the game is being played, you know, on us. I mean, you know, um, when you talking black, you know, you talking genocide. So, 
dehumanization is essential to genocide. Yeah. How how yeah. how much does it help out the agents of colonialism, the agents the agents of our oppression, to mm-hmm. have black female faces, you know, perpetuating these this type of uh, you know verbal assault. You know I mean, what I'm saying? Calling, calling for black male genocide. I mean, literally, though, we heard her say that we the seeds of demons. The, we're demonic in the seeds of demons. This yeah. is the type of dehumanization that, you know. You know uh, this was their justification for the abortions. Right. You know, why would you give birth to the seed of demons? You land with demons. <laughs> you land with the demon. Right. What'd that make you? And, you know, one of the questions that was asked during the program was, are black men or women more complicit in white supremacy? Mm. And, of course, that kind of stemmed from the division that Cynthia G. sowed at the beginning. Yes. And I I don't know if there's, for me personally, before I get into it deeper, I don't know if there's any way to measure that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I think more than gender, it's class-based, you know, meaning higher, more middle-class or upper-class elite black folk or work more in tandem with uh, our colonizer, with the with uh, the white power structure, you know what I'm saying, than poor black people. Mm-hmm. But of course, culturally, there are ways that we can perpetuate it and support it even amongst the lower classes, yes. so-called lower classes. No doubt about it. I still think it's more class-based, you know what I'm saying, than gender-based. But even with saying that, we had to think about the Franz Fanon chapter that we have read several times in uh, it called Algeria that chapter is called Algeria Unveiled in the book A Dying Colonialism mm-hmm. where he speaks about the first act of colonialism is uh, a counterinsurgency effort aimed at dividing the colonized women from the colonized men and pointing out that black that's that co- that co- well Algerian men in this case, but colonized men were savage. You know what I'm saying? Were mistreating, mistreating them, and uh, oppressing and them. He even said a word that was very interesting, at least in this translation. Uh, that black that that colonized men were demonetizing. Mm-hmm. He said that colonial agents convinced colonized women that their attachment to colonized men was demonetizing them. Mm. And think about this as capitalism is emerging, hmm. this free market capitalist economy that we're living through right now that yeah. that hails that that really almost requires as it goes on, you know, individualism from the masses. Mm. Be, they don't want collectivism in the masses. They don't want strong families in the masses. Nah, they don't, they don't want strong families amongst the colonized, the ones that they're scared might rise up that they kept enslaved for hundreds of years. Yeah. So, of course, the thought that comes out of there, and maybe even including things like intersectionality, mm-hmm. despite its origins just as a scholarly tool, has morphed, I say demorphed, morphed, whatever, transformed. Evolved like a goddamn Pokemon, yeah, into some a whole, some whole other shit. That's like like we already talked about, like a social, political, intellectual type movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know almost seems like a primary goal of it is to decenter black men in discourse, you know, to make way uh, for the inclusion of women, hmm. which you know on the surface is a worthwhile goal. But when you get to the weeds and the thick of it, like we do on this podcast. You know, we see untrustworthy leaders like those of BLM using the deaths of black men for financial gain 
even in movements, even in actual local movements that they come and interrupt. Yeah. Like in Ferguson. Yeah. Even when they're based on and due to this heightened aggression from white patriarchy against black men. You know, and so this idea that, that Cynthia G, this idea that Kimberly Crenshaw, they latch on to that black men are closer to white patriarchy than black women mm-hmm. and are more unloyal because of this, because of their malehood and this their solidarity with the biggest oppressor. You know, this is why Tommy Curry says something very important. You know, he says that, you know, patriarchy is a kinship system. Uh, and if you give me a second, I'll look for that quote. Here we go right here. So uh, this is Tommy Curry on Twitter. He says, patriarchy is marked by the racial kinship relationship among dominant groups that oppress, segregate, and kill outgroup alien men. Patriarchy cares for its in-group females, protecting them from death, miscegenation, and economic peril. The rhetorical flourishes that ignore white women's place in colonialism and intersection and this is my addition intersectionality of course is part of this rhetorical flourish right Mm -hmm. so again Tommy Curry says the rhetorical flourishes that ignore white women's place in colonialism state violence and the justification to exterminate black indigenous and Muslim males across the world continue despite mountains of evidence to the contrary then he says the ethnological evolutionary stage of racial hierarchy mm. makes black patriarchy a political myth used to conduct class warfare amongst the bourgeoisie and criminalize black males. It has no direct causal relation to black behaviors. And of course, that is what Cynthia G was you know, she was blaming black males' behaviors mm. for their own oppression. The whole segment, and Tommy Curry's words was not uh, in direct reference <laughs> to the Cynthia G. article, but uh, we're making that connection. It was based in more in the climate. I mean, black men and black women have been complicit in white supremacy. Um, I was talking about earlier a term that we were using, um, or a term. Um, Conscious and unconscious black agents mm. or colonial agents. And so a lot of people, you know, naturally, you know, they've been in this um, system that we in. We in a capitalist system. It keeps a lot of people down at the bottom. They all trying to strive to get on the top, you know, and a lot of people do a lot of different things to get on the top. Men and women were complicit in, in, in participating and things that caused our oppression, but we must always remember who the oppressor is. Um, when you have a natural and fettered hate for the other half of yourself within your group, you're gonna naturally say stupid shit like that. Um, I think we gotta interrogate how colonialism has not just affected black males, how has colonialism affected black females? black women and, and you know what I'm saying and black men uh, because the effects you know what I'm saying the forced assimilation you know what I'm saying it has not altogether been avoided by black women you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying and we admit it's not all altogether been avoided by black men yeah but there has to be accountability on both sides and it, it it's it leads us to peril on the whole black community to peril if we're unwilling to examine the whole issue yeah. of what's going on. 
I mean, so, you know, people got to start just opening up their minds to different things. I mean, that's just be real. Uma Johnson said it at the end, yo, you hate black men. Mm-hmm. And she does have a history of hating black men. So, um, would, would Fox so bring on a black man that said, you know, black uh, women should abort black female fetuses? Hell no. But you got to think, Fox Soul is who oh. is it ran by and and, and, and and who is it catering to? It's the first word before that soul is Fox. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, so that should tell us all right there. You deal so with in, that. Anything else you want to leave people with before we get out of here, Aki? Um, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know what I'm saying? Stay safe. Stay righteous. Uh, check out the episode, past episodes. And uh, death to the queen. (laughs) (laughs) And fire this time. Peace. Peace.